Right. Good morning, everyone. We're going to go ahead and get started. Somebody give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Okay, great. Uh, so thank you for joining us today for another episode of In the Valley, Strengthening the Team. The goal of these sessions is to showcase our employees, highlight the diversity of our team, and foster inclusiveness throughout the division. I appreciate everyone joining us today for the seventh edition, seventh episode of this people-focused series. I'm Major General Diana Holland, Commander of the Mississippi Valley Division, and I'll be moderating today's discussion on the topic of Hispanic Heritage Month. Each year, we observe National Hispanic Heritage Month from September 15th to October 15th and celebrate the histories, culture, and contributions of our people who themselves came from or their parents or grandparents or others came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, or Central or South America. On the panel with me today are Mr. Pete Perez. He is the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Chief of Engineering and Construction. Guillermo Mendoza, he is from the Institute for Water Resources. Lupe Santos Jensen from the St. Paul District, Jose Lopez from the St. Louis District, and Kimberly Cruz Fernandez from the Vicksburg District. So before we get started, a couple of administrative notes for our audience. If you have questions for our panelists, please put them in the chat. We are monitoring the chat, and if we have time, we're going to pull a couple of those questions and assign them to one or two of our, our guest panelists. Second, uh, please keep your system on mute and turn off your video. We will manually mute you if we have to, but would rather uh, that everyone in the audience be responsible for their own mics as it's very disruptive to have any interruptions. The only people who should be unmuted and on video will be me, our five panelists, and our sign language interpreter. I appreciate everyone's help with that. So before we begin with the questions that I have, panelists, I'd like to ask each of you to take two to three minutes to introduce yourselves. Tell us about your heritage, when you joined the Corps, what motivated you to go into your chosen career fields or anything else you'd like to share. And uh, we're going to start with Mr. Perez to be followed by Guillermo, to be followed by Lupe, then Jose, then Kimberly. So, Pete, if you could get us started with your introduction. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, well, I'll tell you just a little bit about myself here. Had sort of very humble beginnings. Um, I refer to the neighborhood I grew up in as a culturally enriched environment and that's probably about the best way to best way to frame it uh, had great parents who instilled uh, values morals ethics um, in the family uh, dad was was a uh, was in the army uh, served 29 and a half years uh, retired as a command sergeant major and so part of what he instilled in me and my my other siblings was um, whatever you do, do to to the best of your ability and, and use your God-given talent to the utmost. So uh, whatever it is, you got to earn it. Um, and so, you know, as far as culture, um, you know, again, it, it's the family. And that was always very important to, to us. Uh, and I was blessed to have cousins on either side of where we lived. And so it was, it was closely knit. Uh, unit and and that paid 
huge dividends, I guess, growing up because you always had family around. Um, as far as, you know, joining the core, it, it, it didn't, it was an afterthought for, for me. I started off in, in private industry and worked there for six months. I mean, uh, six years. And then, um, there was, my father got sick. Um, and so I returned to San Antonio from Dallas and I saw an ad in the paper for the core. Um, I had done design work and it was an opportunity to learn how to do the other side, which was construction. And next thing you know, 30 years later, here I am as the chief of ENC for the, for the Corps of Engineers. And um, I have provided uh, General Holland what I refer to as my journey through the wilderness and where you sought uh, growth opportunities that the Corps does offer. And so had that expeditionary mindset and have visited a lot of different places, uh, worked with a lot of great people. Um, and along the way, you have an opportunity to again, evaluate what you want to do. Uh, there are checkpoints and how you gauge success and what does success mean to you. And um, again, it's, it's a great way to lay out uh, one's career journey. And so uh, I've been blessed uh, throughout my 30 years of working with the Corps. So couldn't, no better organization to work for. Buenos dias, um, I'm Peruvian American and um... I joined the Corps in 2009 from the private sector. Uh, I, I was doing contracting work for the World Bank and USAID in uh, largely Latin America. Um, and I've always liked engineering and, and the outdoors. So, and and um, being working water resources seemed to combine these two things. And when a job came up with the Corps, I joined the Corps thinking that, um, you know, it'd be, it'd be uh, you know, five years thin, but I've loved it ever since, you know, since. <laughs> I'm almost doing over a decade now, so it's been fantastic. Over. Good morning. My name is Lupe Santos Jensen, and I am the EEO manager here at the St. Paul District. I started my career here back in the early 80s um, as a student, and here I am, the EEO manager, 40-plus years later. Um, when I was growing up, my dad... Um, always told us that you picked a career and you stuck with it. And that is what I chose to do was um, chose the Corps of Engineers. They were good to me. And they're also very family oriented. Um, being a Mexican, we're a very close knit family. Um, everybody always jokes with us because as we were growing up, our family, we all lived within a mile radius. You know, you'd go down the street, there was your aunt, you'd go down this way, there was your cousin. And it's not until the next generation um, where they're all moving out into the suburbs, but family comes first. I mean, that's, that is number one. No matter what you do, um, you always think of your family first. And that's one thing that I appreciate working for the Corps of Engineers because even back in the early 80s, I've always been able to have the flexibility to help my, my kids, my parents, and now I have an elder parent that I, I help with. And the Corps has been able to give me that flexibility um, to work with them. Um, in our culture, being a Mexican, um, your family comes first, no matter what. It's mom comes first. So um, I appreciate working here, and I appreciate um, you asking me to be on this panel. Over. Good morning. Uh, so as Major General Holland said, my name is Jose Lopez, and uh, I guess I'll start from the beginning. So I was born in 1985 and 
a town called Mayaguez, Puerto Rico, which is a municipality uh, off the west coast of uh, Puerto Rico with a population about 70,000. Um, and so I moved to St. Louis in August of 2009 um, after meeting uh, Dave Bussey, the chief of ENC for St. Louis, and Ashley Clifford from the CPAC here in St. Louis uh, at a recruiting event at the University of Puerto Rico where I was about to graduate uh, with a degree in civil engineering. And um, I had always sort of, uh, you know, kind of dreamed about the core because all my professors uh, in civil engineering at University of Puerto Rico, you know, uh, talked about the core and about the history of the core and all the the large civil works in particular that that the that the core you know has done throughout its history. And so I definitely gravitated toward that sort of uh, aspect of it, um, and that's kind of what. You know that that's kind of what opened the door for me to, to join the core. So I joined right out of college, and um, I guess talking a little bit more about my heritage. You know, being a Puerto Rican and in the U.S. sometimes is a little strange <laughs> uh, because, as most folks know, uh, Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States uh, and has been since like the late 19th century, uh, right around the time of the Spanish-American War. Um, but as most people that are from the island or anybody that's been to the island can tell you and spent significant time in Puerto Rico or with Puerto Ricans, it really is its own country. Um, you know, maybe not in a legal or political way, but culturally Puerto Rico is, is very, very different than, 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 you know, a lot of the mainland U S states. And so, you know, I, I came to St. Louis with some hesitation and a little bit of a, a weird sense of not belonging, uh, which well, it was probably compounded with uh, my father's warnings, for lack of a better term. Uh, he was, of course, from a different generation than I and uh, probably experienced more overt prejudices um, than he would care to admit. Uh, however, you know, all that said, I, I, I have personally not found a more welcoming welcoming community than than what I've found here in St. Louis and in St. Louis district and in the core overall. Um, and and the, the people in St. Louis district is really a, a huge part of that reason. Uh, and and the, the family environment that the core has to offer as others have mentioned. Um, so, you know, being from Puerto Rico and definitely missing my island every day and getting that feeling in my heart whenever I get to visit it uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to, you know, set uh, in MVS and in USACE thanks to, you know, the people. So, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Kimberly Cruz Fernandez. Uh, similar to Jose, I am also from Puerto Rico, born and raised. My parents are, my dad is from Puerto Rico, but my mom is from Dominican Republic. So I grew in a household with normally, I had a lot of Dominican influence because of my mom, of course. So later in life, I chose the career um, to be a civil engineer, but that resulted as a change on life circumstances. Um, and that is because I became a teenage mom, essentially. So uh, for me, becoming an engineer seems to be a little bit more practical. 
and and easier so my thing or this hair like that's too rough but for me at that time it was like the easiest path for me in order to provide for my child so once immediately after i graduated uh from college which i studied in the same college that jose did on university of puerto rico the mayagüez campus um i got hired uh with mbk here and for me, working with Accor was um, the best alternative because of the flexible schedule that they provide. And just like what Guadalupe um, Lupe mentioned, for me, my priority is my family. So that flexible schedule allowed me to say, well, this is where I can go, where I'm able to maintain this close uh, relationship with my daughter. Meanwhile, other um, offers may be a little bit more um, demanding of your time. So, you know, me moving to, uh, Mississippi, um, also similar to what others may have mentioned, have presented some challenges. And the first is the language. Um, at the beginning, I was not able to speak fluently English. I had really to go through the process of thinking in Spanish, translating it, and then pray that it come out right. <laughs> but, you know, within time and exposure, I've been able to overcome those. But at the other one that um, more like uh, under under drug or um, um, challenges is being able to belong or to feed in, but as a overall, it has been, you know, an enriching and uh, experience that I've learned from. And um, and again, uh, I came here with my daughter when she was six years old, and I just, as a shout out, turned 20 yesterday, and she'll be graduating from college uh, this semester. So I'm very proud of it. <laughs> Over to you, Mayo. Thank you. Uh, wow, you know, we could almost just stop there. Uh, your introductions gave us a lot of uh, information and, and feedback already in lessons. So uh, thank you for, for taking that time to talk about yourselves. Um, I'm gonna trans transition now to some um, prepared questions. And like I said, if you've got questions, if the audience has questions, please put them in the chat so that we can uh, start uh, extracting those and be ready to, to ask them a little bit later. So I wanna continue on the topic about heritage. And our first question is for Guillermo. Sir, if you would share with the audience uh, what you would like for others to know about your heritage. Okay, um, thank you, ma'am. Um, so. As you guys may, may be noticing now, that as Latinos, we're very diverse. We we come from, um, we have a similar culture, but different backgrounds. Um, so I was born in Philly, uh, but I grew up in Peru. And as a kid, I uh, I loved the outdoors and hiking in the Andes. And um, and I always marveled that um, in, in, in engineering, you know, the aging engineering stuff, I, you know, we'd hike along and, and find, you know, these old Inca highways that's crossing mountains like the ones you see behind me, um, um, and aging irrigation canals and terraces that are still used today, and you know Andean communities getting together and having little festivals, you know, um, food and drink, um, to as part of the a process to maintain, operate and maintain these old structures that are still used hundreds of years later. So I think all these backgrounds really form my interest in water engineering, kind of on a Latino style. Over. All right, thank you. And continuing on, on the topic of heritage, a question for Lupe. 
How has your heritage and upbringing shaped your career or professional interests? Thank you for the question, ma'am. My career was shaped basically by my dad. Um, my, my parents are U.S. citizens, as, as I am, and I state that because I have been asked if I am a U.S. citizen. And growing up, I always had to say that I was Mexican-American. I couldn't just say that I was a Mexican. Um, so my dad came, my dad was raised in Laredo, Texas, right on the border. And he came down in 1950, he came here to Minnesota because he had heard that there were jobs. He found a job and then notified his family, notified friends. The next thing you know, um, there was about 10 different families who came here to Minnesota and, and started their roots here in Minnesota. My dad wanted something better for us. He didn't want us to do the work that he was doing. He was a migrant worker. He didn't want us to do that work. And actually, when I was about 10 years old, my dad took us out uh, three weekends picking potatoes um, from sunup to sundown. And let me tell you, that was, that was hard work. And that kind of instilled that I needed to go to school, I needed to get an education so that I could, I could become someone. Um, so that being said, that kind of started us where we were gonna go. My brother um, in our family was the first one who graduated from college. And that was a huge accomplishment in our family. Um, so I, I guess my dad's the one who, as I, I spoke earlier, my dad is the one who instilled the ethics, the working for me. And because he wanted it to be better for us, um, I ran with that and said, okay, I'm gonna go with it. Um, as far as, as some, some interest in that, you know, I became an interpreter um, when I was five years old, I was in kindergarten and there was a young boy there um, named Lobo who came from Mexico and did not speak English at all. And the kindergarten teacher looked at me and said, guess what, you're gonna be interpreting for him. At that time, I knew that me working with people and helping people was what I was destined to do. And that kind of led me throughout my whole career helping, helping people. I wanted to be that person to help anybody that I could. And English was a second language to me. I spoke Spanish mostly at home and with family members. And even up to now, um, I'm always there to help anybody who doesn't speak English. Last Friday, um, my husband hired somebody from Ecuador and I had to be there to be the interpreter. So I interpreted it for my husband to hire this person at his job and at the end, when we were all done, I looked at her and I said, you're hired. My husband looked at me and said, you know what? You don't do the hiring, I do. But, so I guess what I'm saying is, I always wanna help the next person and we do have different dialects. She's from Ecuador, I'm Mexican, totally different dialects, but somehow we manage. Um, when, you, when you start talking to Kimberly and Jose, they have a different dialect. Um, I have friends here at work that are Puerto Rican also, and there are times when I will look at them and say, whoa, slow down. I'm, I'm not understanding what you say, um, what you're saying. So I think just being able to help somebody has really, was really, has really helped me with my heritage. Over. Yeah. All right, thanks. Luke, 
Ma'am, if I could just chime yeah, in there just ahead, a Pete. little bit. Uh, that yeah. was a great, great answer there, Lupe. I, um, as for me, um, you know, my parents in their depression uh, generation, and um, they had to quit school at, in the ninth grade to support family. So uh, they both uh, went on to to get their their GEDs. But but for me and, and for our family, right, it was. As you explained, education opened up the doors. And so while they couldn't help me with chemistry, physics, calculus, and all those other things, it was primarily their will and their drive and setting the expectations that this is what you need to do. And and nothing short of that was, was acceptable. So uh, even though I learned uh, life after a B. So uh, it was all good. But, but again, what, what they instilled in in us uh, was the, the drive, the desire, the diligence, determination, and perseverance, and, and persistence. And quit, quitting was just not part of uh, part of the vocabulary. And as Dad said, you know, for for us is um, you always have to be twice as good to overcome whatever challenges that you have. And that, um, and I've had many setbacks. Uh, and bottom line is if, if you weren't successful in pursuing a professional aspiration, um, you know, you just got to work harder. And, and that's, that's kind of what's been the driver for me. If, if, if you're not good enough, then you just got to work harder and opportunities will come your way. So, but it all started from, from that foundation that they set um, as a child for, for myself and my, and, and my other siblings. Thank you both, Pete and Lupe. Those are great answers. And I think, you know, what we've already heard uh, between the introductions and those first couple questions is uh, two themes emerging, family and hard work. Uh, already that those are definitely uh, seem to be a common theme for, for everybody uh, on the panel. So next for Lupe and Guillermo, and we'll go in that order. Uh, have you been able to maintain your traditions, culture, language, and identity in general while working for USAFE? Do your words, actions, behaviors, et cetera, change when you're at work? And again, we'll start with Lupe. Thank you, ma'am. You know, I think my actions stay the same. I, I, as Kimberly mentioned earlier, um, sometimes you have to, you think, in Spanish and you have to translate. And I'm finding that's happening more and more. Um, somebody will ask me something and I just have to pause for a second and say, whoa, wait a second. I have to I have to translate that in my mind. Um, but I don't, I think my behaviors here at work at the same, I've been treated, everybody's great. I mean, I don't think there's any anything different here at work. We can talk about our cultures. Everybody's open. And what I do like is that um, we're hiring more Hispanics, Latinos here at work, and we can get together and we can talk and talk about our cultures. I mean, yesterday I went down, down at the break room and there was some new faces. And I can't wait to sit and meet with them and talk with them. I know one of them was Coral, um, who's from Puerto Rico. And I met two other people. Um, so I think here at work, we can continue our traditions if we just take the time, um, ask questions. I'm always asking people, you know, ask questions. 
about my my culture and my traditions here at work and I'm I'm open to talk to you about it and I hope everybody else is the same way. Over. Okay. Um I guess I have a similar experience to to Lupe, you know, I felt always felt welcome in at the core. Um I I do believe I keep a culture everywhere I go. I I think I, I bring a or we all of us here on, on the panel, we, we bring a sense of Latino boisterousness to to what we do. Um, um, you know, I, I think, you know, we, you know, I, I like to work hard, but have fun while doing it. And I think that leads to lots of people wanting to be my team. You know, I think I'm a, um, you know, that's something I bring. Um, but another thing also I bring, I don't know if it's culture and more like an, an identity thing, which is similar to what you'll be hearing from the rest. You know, as, you know, I I was born in Philly, but I, I really grew up in Peru most of my my young years, and uh, I grew up in a, in a in a country full of real serious political violence and hyperinflation, you know, Venezuela style, and uh, I think um, it, it puts life in perspective, you know, um, at least for me, and um, and that's kind of what I bring, you know, I I, I don't, you know, I I don't um, freak out often, no, <laughs> I think that's part of my my background over. All right, thank you both. Next question uh, is also for Lupe and Guillermo. We're gonna continue with the two of you. Uh, what are some common everyday struggles at work and within the local community and or within the local community that members from the Hispanic community may have to contend with? And this time we'll start with you, Guillermo. Okay, um, yeah, to be frank, I, I have not personally struggled with the core. You know, I, I felt welcome, I think the core does bring a, a sense of family and community certainly among my my leadership. Um, um, I, you know, I have encountered um, folks that believe I'm a foreigner, and you know, um, in the past, employers asking for social security number, or, or you know, when when you're young, you get a traffic ticket, you know, asking you for security social security number, which you feel that, huh? If I was another race, it wouldn't be happening, or if I didn't have an accent, it, it wouldn't be happening. Um, um, so, but I don't think this defines me. You know, these aren't common. These are not the norm, and but they do, they do happen, and uh, they're they're in, in the background. Uh, you know, I also have a sense of awareness. I think that uh, you know, while you know, civil works certainly is quite diverse. Um, you know, it, it may not be represented across all GS levels yet. Right? There's, you know, it's not a. It's it's still um, it's a sense you have um, over. I'm going to join in here and, and like Guillermo said that it's always been welcome. I've always been welcome here at the core. I haven't felt that there's a barrier for me, um, but I will say that in the community, um, there are some barriers out there. Um, a lot of, a lot of families that I know, the children are US citizens, but the parents are not, they're here illegal. So it's really hard for them to get a checking account or a debit card, um, a credit card. Um, an example that I have on that is my husband and I coached baseball for many years and we had some his, Hispanic families who were joining. And when it came time to pay at that time, checks were what was big and they didn't have checks, they had cash and the commissioner was really struggling with that. They didn't want cash and they kept saying, we need a check. And I had to explain to them that they didn't have checking accounts, that they needed to accept their cash. Their cash was good. Um, take the cash. 
And if they told you that they were going to pay on a Friday after, after payday, they were going to do it. You needed to take their word on it. And it took the community a while to understand that. And even so now, um, a lot of families still don't, don't have credit cards because they don't have social security, social security cards. So it's a struggle for them. And I don't, I don't know if people realize that, that, you know, everything right now is, Use your debit card, use your credit card, but there are families and not just Hispanics that don't have that. Um, right now I have a PCA who works with me for my mother, with my mother and she's from Honduras and she's working on getting her, her papers. And every time she has to cash a check, um, she goes to a check cashing service and she gets charged quite a bit of money for that and she cash your check. And I don't think, People understand that, and I wish that is something that they can understand that we do have struggles. We we don't have everything that everyone else has as not being a U.S. citizen. And that being said, um, it's really hard when somebody comes up to you um, and asks you if if you are a U.S. citizen or if you have a green card. I can say that because I have been asked that. Um, do you have a green card? And I, I'm shocked because I am a U.S. citizen, but I think everybody just assumes that because I am Mexican, um, I'm not a U.S. citizen. So I, I wish people just wouldn't assume things and they'd do better if they were to ask. So ask questions is what I would like um, to get across to everybody. Ask the question and don't just assume um, that we're not that we're not U.S. citizens, and I think that would be able to help us with some of the struggles that we have. Over. Well, thank you both for those insights, and I'd like to pull the thread a little bit on the topic of barriers, and this time I'm going to go to, to Pete and Kimberly. Do you feel there are barriers to USACE employment for people of Hispanic heritage, and have you encountered any barriers during your career? How have you overcome them? Pete, we'll go to you first. Okay, so uh, obviously uh, different different generation, right? Baby boomers. So separate the the COVID period of of now how I guess the work uh, environment is is definitely much more friendly to virtual and remote opportunities. But uh, for, for me, um, here is here is what I saw or what I've seen uh, as my career has progressed. I myself have not experienced any barriers. I think the barriers from a Hispanic culture and perspective are, are kind of self, self-imposed. Uh, and, and, and as you heard in previous responses, uh, family comes first, right? And, and so <clears throat> even, in my, even in my family, I'm, I'm an anomaly. Um, I, again, I, I left. I didn't stay in San Antonio. I moved. I, in my career, I've moved seven times, which is, uh, which again, for a civilian is an anomaly. Uh, that doesn't happen. Um, so uh, I made that conscious choice to pursue uh, personal aspirations um, from a personal perspective. You know, I think the family was enriched uh, by seeing different cultures, different environments, getting ready to travel. Uh, and, and just not only from where we were, but the different places that we got to, to go to, uh, China, you know, uh, Taiwan, uh, 
different places like that, Japan. Uh, so uh, living in Alaska was great. So they, they got to experience things that they would have never had I not pursued opportunities. Uh, so again, those for me um, and what I've seen with, with colleagues and friends, they chose to, to stay put and that, that was their personal choice. Uh, they uh, made that conscious decision to make an impact in a different way uh, by staying local, uh, whether it's with their family uh, church, uh, the community, um, and and they can they were still making uh, tremendous impacts within the organization for for you know staying local. Uh, for me, it was about uh, getting you know cross functionally, culturally, and environmentally diverse, which I thought was necessary for me to co you know pursue my career aspirations, um, and uh, and I think those. Again, for me, that is, I think, what has helped uh, me progress and get to where I am today. But at the same time, I think um, my family, uh, my daughters, uh, and my wife and I were, were able to experience the world in, in a different way. And, um, and again, professionally and personally, I think we're all enriched. But for barriers, I, I think what, what uh, for my generation, really, it was, I don't know that people took advantage of of seeking those growth opportunities where the organization could invest in them. They just chose to, to, to do it in a different way. And it's all good because the organization is better for it. Over. That, that was a great um, um, answer, Pete. Um, however, in, in my opinion, I believe there is a somewhat barrier, which I believe it to be natural because um, when it comes to, to hiring, people tend to gravitate with what they know, right? Based on where you are. So me being in Vicksburg, Mississippi, the demographic is mostly a Caucasian or Afro-American and they pull from those schools, um, which is the Mississippi State or Miss or the surrounding school. So you're gonna get um, the, the demographic that is in place. So there is a conscious effort from leadership to go out there and be able to hire those that do not fit kind of the demographic, in this case, some Hispanics, right? So um, there is some inherent or natural barrier there, but they're being worked on because I truly believe the organization is trying to move, become more stronger because behind diversity and inclusivity, you can tackle any problem. And that's what as organization we want to do, definitely. And it, you know, it takes pride, take pride in the work that I do. And essentially, yes, I have had some struggles in my career and one that I can relate is, for example, when I came new, I did have the, the struggle of communication because of the language. So it took me some time, but there were some instances that I was able to do my work along with other coworkers who I you know, admire and respect, of course. Um, and when you present your work, they tend to gravitate to the other co coworker. Let's do it the way that that was done. And you know, at some point you get, you know, you think, you know, if my work was not wrong, why don't we can try it as a whole team the way that I did it? And that happened in various occasions, but you need to think about the po positive side. So now I know how they work and now I know the way how I work. So it is a constant struggle to kind of 
somehow start squeezing, persevering through the opportunities and continue to improve on your work. So somehow you have to prove yourself that you're worth it of uh, taking up in challenges. So, and how I have, over, I have overcome this is just being patient, working hard, being diligent on my work, um, persevering, definitely, and continuously try to improve. I'm continually trying to see where, what can I do better? Definitely communication is one that I need to improve continuously, right? Uh, but how I can do my better, my job better. So I normally try to look for details where I can improve so I can become a better tool to the organization. So when it comes to barrier, there is somewhat, but I believe to be natural. Now, there is another side that I would think of, perhaps is leadership, just want to continue is perhaps um, hire people are from the local, just for retention purposes, because they can see some of the challenges that people coming from outside, you know, they may not fit in, they may not be able to make, uh, make it home or belong or have some struggle. And, you know, I think there are ways that we can overcome that. And I think the organization is definitely moving to the right way to becoming a more inclusive, more diverse, including the Hispanic culture. Over. Yeah, those were both fantastic perspectives. Thanks for, for your honesty in both of those. Kimberly, I'm gonna continue with you for the next question. Do you feel that your Hispanic heritage is, and I think you've, you've already sort of answered this, but I wanna let you give a fuller answer. Do you feel your Hispanic heritage is respected while working at USAFE? Uh, like you mentioned, yes. I think, I think respect to your Hispanic, I think people respect you as an individual, right? But you being from another place, you have a whole new package, right? So people tend to respect you as they get to know you, right? They, how they, you know, how you're gonna, it's like you have to, to earn it. So I have been in situation where people, when they first come to you, they're hesitant. They don't know how to address you. They don't know how to speak to you. And some others that, you know, they're just completely curious about what you do, who you are, where you come from, where it's your culture. But you have others that perhaps they don't care or they just, you know, indifferent. But something that I want to do is, you know, you know, it, it just shows some a little bit of a uh, of interest, genuine interest toward the person, regardless of their background. And it, that, that would be a way in which you could, um, uh, you know, be able to connect with each other. I, I would like to share um, uh, an experience that I had. And I think I felt, I felt that the, the, when I belonged the most was when I volunteered for the um, emergency operation uh, in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria, because, you know, it was kind of the ideal condition. I'm Hispanic, I'm from Puerto Rico, I speak the language. So me working there, it's like I was thriving because, you know, I was able to use my language, my culture to, for the mission, right? So it was, it was an interesting uh, opportunity uh, to, to, to work there. So I think it does, but sometimes it's just within time, people get to know you, they know where you're from. And so the, the respect is gonna get there. All right, thanks, Kimberly. So I'm gonna transition to Jose, uh, and I'll start by saying that we benefit, the core that benefits from having a large Puerto Rican community uh, within its ranks. Uh, the St. Louis District has prioritized recruiting efforts in Puerto Rico for many years. And so, Jose, my question for you is, 
how have those recruiting successes shaped MBDs, our regional current workforce and future outlook? Yeah, so thanks for that question, General Holland. Um, and I think uh, Kimberly touched a little bit on this in her question or her answer about barriers. And I think it's worth noting that, you know, I also believe there are some natural barriers out there. Uh, they may be camouflaged or just innate, um, but there's nothing that's gonna stop us from overcoming them. Uh, and so, you know, as far as recruiting diverse backgrounds and, and, and those kinds of things, particularly from Puerto Rico, I, I hesitate to talk about how the future workforce has been developed because I think the jury's still out. We're still in a sort of nascent stage, right? But I, I would tell you that we're definitely getting there. Um, you know, and I think it, in St. Louis in particular, really what it comes down to is the sustained leadership. And, and I'm talking about the, you know, 15 civilian level that have a little bit of continuity uh, because those are the folks that empower the 13s that are frontline supervisors to go out and sort of recruit outside the comfort zone. Uh, kind of as as Kimberly kind of alluded to, um, you know, I think I think it, there's a quote about leadership and it's the art of getting someone to do something because they want to do it. Right. I think General Eisenhower gets attributed that uh, a lot. And I think that's one of the things that we've seen uh, in St. Louis is sort of a sustained buy in from that level in empowering the frontline supervisors, right? The folks that are really casting the nets and bringing folks in uh, uh, to go out and, and, and seek, uh, you know, folks from, from University of Puerto Rico or, or, or other, you know, uh, you know, underrepresented groups or, or whatever term we wanna use. Um, and, and, and at the end of the day, really, and this is probably a philosophical discussion about recruitment in general, but recruitment isn't really hard because it's about connecting with people. And so if you empower these frontline supervisors to really go out and, and meet folks and, you know, bring folks from Puerto Rico to do in-person interviews in St. Louis uh, and, and start to lay the groundwork for how uh, this, you know, what whatever particular area of the core uh, is welcoming uh, and there is, uh, you know, opportunity, then you'll really start to work at the, the retention piece, which is sort of the next step, right? Is Because is, Kimberly alluded to uh, with her answer, you know, the, the fear in some levels of leadership of, well, you know, if I go to Puerto Rico to recruit and bring somebody to St. Louis, you know, they've got one foot out the door because they want to go back home to Puerto Rico or they want to, you know, uh, and, and th that's, we've got to kind of break that mindset a little bit as leaders, because uh, if, if it stays, if the person stays within the core, it's, it's still the, the core castle. It's, that's still a good thing. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I, I've always, you know, found that, that, that just going out and, and, and you know, pounding the pavement and be, being that sort of salesman, <laughs> for the agency, wherever it is, uh, it, it always uh, yields dividends. Um, and, and the last eight or so years where I've been uh, sort of 
helping uh, work through the recruitment efforts in Puerto Rico have, have really, uh, to me at least, showed uh, that that level of uh, how that level of sort of dedication and sustained effort, um, you know, can overcome some of the natural barriers that uh, uh, Kimberly kind of alluded to in her answer. So, over. Thanks, Jose. Thanks for laying that out. Uh, I was really uh, happy when I got to MBD to learn that of St. Louis's sustained, consistent recruiting efforts in Puerto Rico. I, of course, was not surprised that that was occurring in the Jacksonville district when I commanded FAD, uh, the Caribbean being uh, in the Jacksonville AOR, um, but didn't know that that sustained effort was ongoing somewhere else. And so coming to MBD and hearing about St. Louis's uh, effort over many years, and you know, it's successful. It, and for everything you said is absolutely, uh, ab I absolutely agree. And, and, you know, when you take on an endeavor like that, it does, it takes resources. Uh, it takes leader buy-in over many, many leaders, you know, uh, not just this one commander, but many commanders over a long period of time. And perhaps equally, well, maybe even more importantly, are champions within the organization that ensure that it persists. Uh, if you're gonna be successful, as you said, not just for the, the, hire, the recruiting and hiring, but for the retention. So thanks for sharing uh, St. Louis's experience with that. Uh, I want to continue a little more on the topic of recruiting, and I'm going to go to Pete. Do you have any recommendations on how we can improve our recruitment within the Hispanic community? Yeah, I, I do, ma'am. But, but I, I just before I get onto that, I, I do want to touch a little bit on what Kimberly and Jose have, you know, mentioned about about barriers. Um, while my response may have said might have been self-imposed on how I my generation of, of how they looked at their career aspirations. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> I had barriers. Um, but as I mentioned in my initial response, as like my father said, if you didn't get it, then um, you got to work twice as hard. Uh, I didn't let those things interfere with what my ultimate goal was going to be. Um, so it was really a matter of, of, and I think for the younger generation, if you look where I'm at, you, know, you removed roadblocks and provided a tailwind for you, for all of you young, you know, Hispanic you know, engineers and, and other professionals to, um, you know, fulfill your, your professional aspirations and dreams. I, I did encounter that. Don't, don't kid yourself. Uh, so, but it's a matter of overcoming and, and, and persevering and we continue to, to make an impact. And whether it's myself, you know, Jose Sanchez, John Marino, we've all provided examples for all of you of what what can be accomplished if you put your mind to it. Um, and so, yeah, my work was questioned, but you just overcome it. Um, and uh, and it doesn't. It, it's just not for us. Everybody experiences it because that's just the way we do it. And sometimes you may not like the answer, but that's. You know, that's that's a that's a enterprise culture and barrier that we all have to deal with. And that's what we're trying to break down as far as recruiting. Um, and again, in talking to Jose and others and, and throughout my career, I, it, it is great to see how I, I think um, the focus on how we recruit from, from Puerto Rico is amazing. 
Um, and from where I said, I, I, I wish that we would have that same sort of effort uh, in pursuing um, other, you know, the Mexican American uh, uh, part of our, of our, you know, environment. Uh, we, we don't, we don't have that same focus um, in other locations. We try. And I, I, and this is where I have to use a, you know, my platform where I sit and really try to drive USACE in a way that can have that same focused energy that, well, let's just say that we have for Bea. Uh, you know, where can I go to say I'm going to focus on a historically black college university? You can't say that <laughs> at the University of Texas, Stanford, UCLA, um, and other locations. You can't say that. So how do I change that paradigm where now we can focus on, or if I'm going to go to a university, I want to find out where, where those um, Hispanic engineering societies are on the university and set up uh, meetings at those universities. That's who I want to visit with. It can't be that I'm going to university for general recruiting. Uh, we have to have that same focused energy on the Hispanic community as we do other, other cultures um, and other races and ethnicity that USACE focuses on. So we just have to have a different, a different mindset, a different mental model. And, and it, this is an opportunity for me to leverage um, the position I'm in to kind of influence that focused um, effort in uh, trying to further diversify USACE and, um, and, and long-term resiliency for the enterprise. So uh, those are just my thoughts, ma'am. Thanks, Pete. That's a great answer, and I, I totally agree, and especially uh, as we face this as a region for hiring, as we've tried to hire up uh, and continue to grow the organization to be able to deliver a larger program, encouraging all of our districts and all of our functions to go beyond its traditional pipelines, it's somewhat related to what you're saying. We, we are not going to be successful in building the work or as successful as we could be in building the workforce in the future that represents the communities that we support and defend uh, if we don't uh, diversify our approach and look for other pipelines uh, that bring in even more representation uh, of many different dif uh, demographics and Hispanic community being one of them. I also want to circle back on something or maybe emphasize something uh, you alluded to, and that's representation in our organization at the senior levels. Yourself, Mr. Sanchez, Mr. Moreno, uh, and others as they continue to move up the ladder, is it's so important that our younger generation uh, see representation, people that look like that or that have similar experiences. Uh, that they see an example of what success looks like um, and dismiss the assumptions that there's no place for them in the organization. And of course, that's true in USACE, that's true in the Army at large, it's true in, in all professions in America, but uh, it is so important. And, and everybody on this screen and everyone who looks up to you sees that, uh, oh, you know, maybe it is worth fighting through this barrier not only because is it personally gratifying and rewarding to be a part of this organization and part of the solution, but it's important that people behind me see an example and uh, see a growing representation 
of people who look and have the, uh, similar backgrounds as they do. And I uh, appreciate you mentioning that. I'm uh, going to shift now to, you know, what brought us all here today, which is celebrating Hispanic Hem uh, Heritage Month. And I'm going to go back to Jose and Kimberly and ask them if they have any plans and what those plans are for celebrating uh, Hispanic Heritage Month in their communities and home districts, starting with Jose. Yeah, so thanks, ma'am. So, um, you know, I uh, last weekend actually was the Greater St. Louis uh, Hispanic uh, Heritage Festival over the weekend. And so I was able to attend that with my sons and, and my mom, who's actually visiting from Puerto Rico. She actually ducked out of the island uh, inadvertently a few days before uh, Fiona made landfall. So, um, but, uh, you know, that that's that's kind of the, you know, official type of celebration. But I, I'll just say, you know, I, I celebrate my heritage every day. Uh, you know, I, I don't hide who I am and who I am is, you know, partially where I come from and, and you know, where I grew up. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and who my family is and where they're from. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, even though I'm over here, you know, you know, a couple flights away from my, my island, I communicate daily with my friends from, from high school and college that are still in Puerto Rico. Um, you know, we have a group chat and we're always in connection. And I, I find that in some ways to be, a celebration uh, because it allows me, you know, to have that connection still and, 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 uh, you know, just feel, uh, feel at, at home in a way. Right. Um, you know, I, having my mother in town as, as well is, is also helpful because uh, even though I may sound very much uh, acclimatize as far as my accent and language and whatever, um, you know, she uh, is mostly a strictly Spanish speaker. And so, you know, that helps me uh, flex that muscle, which I definitely need sometimes <laughs> uh, being, you know, almost 15 years removed from, from being home. So um, I think that's, that's my answer to that question. I, you know, I, I, I do appreciate and, and, and think it's, it's wonderful that, the, the the agency and the the valley is recognizing these these types of uh, you know heritage uh, months. Um, so thank you very much for the opportunity. Over. Yeah, yeah thank you. Similarly to what Jose mentioned, uh, for me the Hispanic uh, celebration is something that I do on daily basis. I speak Spanish every day. I eat sancocho, mofongo. I whenever any time of the of the week um but i take this opportunity as a learning uh, experience for others uh because just like you know we having this discussion is because there is a need for people to to learn more about the hispanic culture so you can connect with each other um so what i want to do with this opportunity is to invite you uh leadership audience um to perhaps select one of the countries over 20 of them um, to uh, each year and learn about perhaps their music, their history, their food, cook it in your houses, maybe learn a phrase or something. 
and like that, next time you get to meet a person that may be Peruvian, that may be from Panama, um, Dominican Republic, you'll be able to share something that you know from them. And that would be an instant connection. So um, with regards to the district, I normally am very engaged. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow would be the Hispanic celebration here in Vicksburg district. And I commonly dress with the traditional attire, which is like with the top ruffle and the flower skirt. And uh, I partake of the celebration and the events and activities that are done. Uh, not just in here, sometimes I support other district, which is not district, ERDEC. And also in the community, um, the Hispanic um, um, uh, engineering organization, I forgot the sheep, the sheep, we call it la sheep. <laughs> they do a science night, Noche de Ciencias in that community that I have helped uh, them um, in organized event. It also serve as a panelist. Um, over to you, ma'am. All right, thank you both. Those were great answers. And we are definitely celebrating with you. Um, so we are actually almost out of time. So I'm gonna skip the last question that I had. And it, it, what I was gonna ask was for, for you all to provide some recommendations on educational resources uh, that could be used by uh, your coworkers and those in the audience who wanna learn, learn more about the Hispanic culture. Uh, I am gonna ask my team, and I see that they're already doing it, uh, to populate the chat with what your feedback was. We got that feedback from you before the panel so that we'd be able to put it in the chat. So their recommendations are being populated in the chat right now, and I encourage the audience to snatch those and, and explore them and get to know more about this culture. Um, and I wanna go then to a couple of questions in the chat. Um, so two important questions I think that were in there and I apologize that we can't get to all of them, but I think uh, this one I'm gonna ask uh, Guillermo uh, to get his thoughts on. What are some common questions or comments you get about your background? And I think more broadly, the person is asking, uh, well, they put this in there, but I think how can we prepare, those of us on this call, prepare, be better global citizens? And I think what's meant by that is, you know, how can we better interact with the Hispanic communities, ask the right questions, you know, and, and really get to know more about the Hispanic culture in a positive and helpful way, maybe might be a way to, however you wanna answer that, Guillermo. I know I think I kind of made that more complicated than it needed to be, but. I'll help you, let you clean that up. <laughs> um, boy, that's a, that's a, a big question. Um, yeah, I, I think I forget who, I don't know if it was Kimberly or Lupe who mentioned it earlier about, um, you know, our, our culture is very, uh, it's quite welcoming. It, it is diverse, you know, whether you are in Puerto Rico, Mexico or wherever. So we are, we are used to differences, you know, you know, it's, that's who we are. And um, so asking questions, I mean, I think we, we, we're very welcome to, you know, asking, you know, not assuming who we are, but asking us, I think it's, 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 it's um, and I, I think there's a lot of humor, you know, I, I, I um, you know, I, uh, I once, you know, I have, I have several Puerto Rican friends and every time I go there, I'm pretty much laughing, you know, nine, nine to five all, all the time. It's just, you know, just everything is, 
it's um you know it, it it's hard to insult a latino no or hispanic you know we you know in a way um we're, we're very we're very um open in in a certain way so asking questions is just i think is that's i think i would i would say that's like the key um, all right thank you i think for this next one i'm going to go to uh jose so it, the the question was first asked, how did you adapt to the local culture? Uh, and I'm assuming that uh, where you are now in St. Louis. Uh, and when we asked for more, a little more clarification, the follow-up was, how have you adapted to differences in cultural activities, accents, behaviors, and humor? Yeah, so that, I love that question actually, uh, <laughs> because I, I've gotten, you know, and it's always in a very curious and, and benign kind of way, but, you know, uh, I've always uh, gotten questions about, you know, uh, just because I look a certain way or sound a different way or whatever, you know, about validity of my Hispanic culture and things like that. And, and a lot of it is very benign and, and sort of, uh, you know, just uh out of curiosity but i like what guillermo said about um we're used to differences in hispanic america uh because each individual country is is in and of itself so diverse uh and, and it's so uh integrated in a way and so uh anyway kind of to the to more to the point of the question, you know, I, I kind of came to St. Louis with a very open mind that there was some hesitation, but, but, you know, what I knew of St. Louis was the arch and Cardinals baseball. And fortunately we have Yadier Molina on the, on the Cardinals. Uh, and when I came here, he was on the Cardinals, obviously. Um, and so that to me was a, a, a nice, uh, sort of, uh, um, you know, focal point and, 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 and center of mass that I could gravitate towards, uh, you know, because St. Louis is a baseball town, uh, Puerto Rico is a baseball island for sure. And so I was able to sort of jump in and, and be passionate about those kinds of things. Um, and then maybe uh, just, you know, because I was still, you know, in my mid twenties and kind of ready to get out and meet people and whatever. And, and so I just kind of dove in and, and, and you know, uh, didn't hesitate to, to go out with whoever and meet folks. And, and so, uh, you know, with time, uh, you know, I met my wife here and we've got, you know, two kids. So like I mentioned in my intro, we're, we're definitely growing. I've definitely grown some roots uh, in this, in this region and in this area. Um, so. All right. Great answer, Jose. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping up because we really are truly out of time. Uh, I do want to summarize a little of what we've heard today. Uh, in case anybody missed any of the discussions, I think it's important to kind of summarize some major themes, and I've mentioned a couple of them already along the way. Uh, so my first takeaway from this is that the Hispanic community is internally diverse. I mean, just look at this screen. Uh, we know that from the screen and now knowing what your heritage is, your specific heritage is. Uh, but understanding, Kimberly, I think you said more than 20 countries are associated 
with the global Hispanic community. So we know uh, intellectually that that's got to mean that it's a pretty diverse group. And so you, just because you know one person from Hispanic background does not equate to knowing all. Uh, number two is uh, expression of pride in heritage, definitely a proud community and deservedly so. Uh, we heard it in each of your responses and how you talked about your families and, and everything that you've personally achieved and what your hopes and dreams are for the future. Number three, and I mentioned this earlier as we were answering the questions, hard work and family are, were two consistent themes uh, throughout this whole conversation. Number four, I uh, wrote down about recruiting and, in, and retention. And, and really what I'm about to say is a, an outcome of a discussion I and the panel had earlier as we were preparing for this. That, you know, it's, it's really important to build the diversity, and we'll talk about Hispanic communities specifically right now, important to build the diversity within all districts. And I guess really to, to the point is, all, diversity of all demographics in every district. Otherwise, what will the natural gravitation could be uh, that no matter how successful, for example, St. Louis might be in recruiting in one, one demographic, if they don't represent a diverse uh, workforce overall, do your employees start to go other places? Uh, to where they know that diversity is even is even more valued. And I'm just throwing St. Louis out there just because uh, we had Jose talk about that specifically. But the more diverse all of our districts are across all demographics shows that we value diversity and is a more welcoming environment for new folks coming in. Uh, the last takeaway is to show interest in others. Uh, I, you know, that's a great, that's just a great life lesson in general uh, for, for all folks, uh, showing them that you're interested in, in them, um, un, that we embrace differences, that we want to get to know about them, even if they sound different, look different, have different experiences, that it's important to get to know them and make them feel like you're interested not only in what they bring to the team and how they're similar, but also how they're different. Uh, and that, that means a lot to them and sends a message of welcome at the outset when they're being onboarded and then helps in retention overall. And I'm gonna just add one last point that I just wrote down because I happen to see something in the chat. You know, food is a great global integrator. Every one of these sessions we do, the panel talks about, whether we talked about Juneteenth or the Native American experience in another episode, the topic of food comes up and the value of trying different food and, and appreciating different food. But I have to say, this is the first episode where we've actually had a recipe put in the chat. And I believe it was for Sancocho because uh, Kimberly mentioned it and Amanda Fisher put a recipe in the chat. So we have reached a whole new level in, in, the, in the Valley strengthening the team. So yeah, food is the great integrator. Okay, well, hey, I want to thank the panelists for taking the time today to speak to us about their experiences and heritage and for being so honest with the audience. I, I think this has been a very powerful episode. I want to especially thank uh, Mr. Pete Perez, uh, not only, you know, getting a real senior uh, person on this panel, that's the first time we've, we've been able to accomplish that. So Pete, uh, we appreciate you being a part of this. 
also appreciate the fact that it is five hours earlier than it is for me. Uh, so it must be 540 in the morning for you. And I know you got up especially early to do this because uh, it means that much to you. So thanks for that. I also want to thank the MVD staff and particularly our emerging leaders who help plan and coordinate the panelists participation and content of the discussion. Special thank you to our sign language interpreter. You see her moving those hands furiously. Uh, she does not get the script before we get started. She's just that good. And she is always on, always ready to participate in this every quarter. Uh, every quarter. Uh, Denise Smith, we appreciate you. I want to thank the region for tuning in. We got up to 402, I think, at the peak of, part of stations tuning in. These forums are about our people and ensuring our people know they are valued for their unique contributions and diverse backgrounds. And as a reminder, I welcome the input of our audience for future topics. Thus far, the topics have come as a result of your suggestion and that practice will continue. So in closing, I encourage everyone to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month in some way. Thank you for all that you do in support of the people and resources of our region. As always, I am proud to be on your team. That is all from here, signing off from Vicksburg. Have a great day, everybody.